Welcome to the Hardware Asylum Podcast Extras. This episode, we take an in-depth look at Creative iRoar, the Bluetooth speaker that you can't live without, and we look at the X99 Design Air EX from Gigabyte. I'm your host, Dennis Garcia, and with me today, I have Darren McKay. Readers of Hardware Asylum will know that we posted a review at the end of May of an interesting creative device, or I should say an interesting device from Creative, called the iRoar. That's right. Now, this is an odd product because it is not something that we normally review, and that would be speakers in general, mm-hmm. or in this case, more specifically, a Bluetooth speaker. Right. And Bluetooth speakers are a kind of a device that not a lot of people pay attention to because they are inherently inexpensive. Yeah, and to some extent, you consider a Bluetooth speaker a necessary evil. You probably have a device that needs Bluetooth, so you go down and you find whatever's the cheapest speaker that you think will get the job done without embarrassing you, frankly. Yeah, well, and they're inexpensive because they, they're they portable, so they have a battery, and they have just maybe one or two speakers in there, and sometimes they pair with your device, and sometimes <laughs> they don't pair with your device. It's really hard to know how they work. And, of course, to add, like, resellability, they might add an AM, FM radio to it. Something. Something. But the iRoar is completely different because this is a a device, I'm going to say it's probably half the size of a shoebox. Yeah, that's a pretty safe assumption. Now, the iRoar is different. I wanted to kind of expound on a comment that you did, and this is a product I get really excited about. So, you know, stop me if I get a little bit too preachy, Mm -hmm. but... You know, when you buy a Bluetooth speaker, you're buying essentially a dumb device. And all your expectation is, is that it's going to play music, hopefully without making the music sound worse. And like you said, that it's going to be dependable enough to pair with your device. And that's really what your expectation is for most of your Bluetooth speakers. You're not expecting sound processing. You're not expecting, you know, even to get more than one speaker is frankly generally a premium speaker. So, you know, nearly everybody these days has a cell phone or some sort of device that you probably have picked up a cheap speaker for. If you haven't, you've probably thought about it. So the question is, why is this one different? Because if you look at the price tag, it's nearly $400. Yeah, and there are very few speakers in that realm with the exception of the obvious price tag labels where you're buying you know, a premium product. But even those, I would say, are in a different category than the iRoar because the iRoar is being sold as the most intelligent Bluetooth speaker. That's a creative tagline. Mm -hmm. But it really is a different speaker because it is intelligent. It's, yeah, it does a lot of things that are above and beyond what you'd expect from a Bluetooth speaker. All right, so let's start with the outside. Let's describe it. So on the top, we have a basically a subwoofer. It's a, what, four-inch subwoofer? Yeah, about. And then on the front, I mm-hmm. believe we have two speakers that face forward. Two tweeters, and they're little. Yeah, little tiny deals. Uh, there might be a speaker in the middle. No, that's the port. Nope, it's ported, and it has a, what would be sort of a baffling system. Now it's better to look at the review to see the breakout of this thing. Mm-hmm. But again, it's about a 2-inch by 4-inch by maybe 10-inch cube. So it uses that traditional Bluetooth brick shape. Yeah. But uh, we also have speakers on the side, ambient mid-ranges. No, those are actually baffles, so they help transmit. So it's kind of the same as when you have a subwoofer on one side and you have a dumb reflex baffle on the other side when you build a box. Okay, that, uh, 
that was not actually apparent in the uh, in the breakouts because it kind of said that there was baffles there, but mm-hmm. I assume baffle meant speaker. Yeah. So what it's doing is it's using the shape and the size to basically channel the sound out the left and the right side of the speaker through the baffles, not unlike uh, a bass box does, right. to expand the sound stage to the sides without having to add additional speakers and processing. Well, that's good to know. Uh, we have basically one button that you can see on the top. And that's, <laughs> that's your right. power button. But I believe in below that, there's some ghosted uh, LEDs. That's very true. Now, you should also note that on either side of the subwoofer, there are two little well, three little dots on each side. Mm. And that's a stereo microphone that allows you to do some interesting things that you wouldn't expect from a microphone also, including tuning the soundstage a little bit like a higher-end microphone. Mm. Okay. And, and that's not something I really touched on in the review because I don't really use my Bluetooth speaker for answering the phone, although I was pleased that I could. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, in terms of connectivity, it's Bluetooth, or Bluetooth. we can do a toss link over optical. Yes. We can also do USB direct, correct? Or is this yep. only for charging? It does also have USB direct for USB audio. Uh-huh. So it'll do both. And then we have an SD card if we wanted to just plug in music and play it. Mm-hmm. Now, if I were to mention any shortcomings on this particular device, it would be that it is limited in what kinds of SD cards and what size. And I hope that that's something that they can upgrade down the line with firmware because right now you're really restricted to a 32 gig and it has to be uh, formatted as FAT FAT32, which is a little bit old school considering that it's pretty easy now to get, you know, 256 or even larger cards for, you know, 20, 30 bucks. Yeah. Well, it might be the OS that they're using because this device also has the patented creative sound processing. It does. So there's a pretty good size board in there. Now, this is one of the reasons that people trust and flock to creative products, even when they are a little bit more expensive on the market, which they traditionally are, because Creative Labs really has driven the sound processing in the computer market. Uh And of course, the Sound Blaster series pioneered external sound in PCs. And these days you can get a lot of high-end solutions for sound, but Creative Labs still drives the industry, not just with sound cards, but devices like this and external DACs and headphones and really anything that will process sound. Mm. This one's kind of no exception. Now, one other thing that I want to mention to you is that it does NFC uh, near-field pairing as well. So you can do near-field transmissions from your cell phone, for example. Right, and that was something that you did to get um, this to answer your phone. I did, and I was surprised. I mentioned this kind of. I was surprised that it does uh, talk to you, I guess, is maybe the best way to put it. So when you have connectivity, when you turn it on, when you're answering the phone, it's going to tell you connected. It's going to tell you the phone number. It's going to tell you what mode it's in. So it... It's not talkative like my Amazon Echo, for example, or my Dot, mm-hmm. but it does give you some audio feedback. Now, you mentioned also that there's only one button on this, and that's very true, but that's because it has capacitive buttons. So if you look at this, I guess, string across the top here, mm-hmm. you can see that it's a different type of material because it's smooth. It doesn't have the texture that the rest of it does, and that's because this is the capacitive touchpad. So it's going to display only the keys you need based on the mode you're in. And there are a couple of exceptions where you can enable modes like there's a roar mode, which is kind of like an enhanced 
base mode. Mm-hmm. And it's a little more complicated than that, but it's going to help you play the device a little bit louder. Yeah, and it's probably use up a little bit more of the battery to do that. But as an example, when you answer the phone, it's going to have phone-specific keys. When you're listening to music, it has music-specific keys. And it also has kind of hidden in the surface a LED system. I'm going to turn this on and show it to you. Mm-hmm. So you can see the little block, and it's about, I don't know, 5 by 7 dots. And it uses these dots to communicate what's back. So, for example, I've got it turned on right now, and it's just got an open block because it's got no connectivity. Mm-hmm. It doesn't detect my phone because I don't have my pairing turned on right now, and it doesn't detect any other inputs. Connected. Now, there's the connected, and you can see the things light up as it finds my phone. Yeah, we have phone, plus and minus for volume. Yeah. It looks like forward, backwards, mm-hmm. mute. The, the media keys are there. Now, one other thing is, and we don't touch about this much in the review either, is now that it has an SD card in it, it has some additional functionality that's even deeper than I went on the review. You can record directly to the device. And, of course, it's based on the size of your card. Mm-hmm. But you could actually, if we wanted to right now, push the record button, and as long as we had space, it would record our conversation in stereo. Wow. So double podcast. Yeah, exactly. And you can see that I have the mic beam on, so it's actually broadly focused beam right now in stereo. Mm -hmm. And I can change that. And you can also see the roar light is on, which is a nice way of saying that I have turned on the enhanced bass. Because what I primarily use this device for as an external speaker for my Amazon Dot. Right. Now, before we get into the Amazon Dot, because I think that is probably the the most creative use for this (laughs) creative product on their website. They talked about how this could be a remote PA system. Yes. And that is also true. Now you can do that a little bit through the mic that's on board, but there's another, well, there are actually two accessories that are available for this that I don't have. One is the new IROC subwoofer, Mm -hmm. which I'm very excited about. I actually, I think it's a must purchase if you really are a music lover Because if you pick this thing up like you just did, you'll see there's a row of capacitors or uh, connectors on the bottom. Mm -hmm. And you can actually set the iRoar like a docking station, like you'd put your phone into a dock, onto this subwoofer. And it's going to fill out the missing mid and bass range in this. And it's already, honestly, an incredible amount of bass for a device that size, thanks to the technology on board. But it's never going to replace a full-featured subwoofer. And anybody that, you know is passionate about their music, just knows you got to have a subwoofer. Yeah. Well, and it becomes a Bluetooth, um, you know, boom box, so to speak. But to come back to what you'd mentioned, you can also get a, a microphone device. And I want to say it's called iMic, which seems silly because everything comes with an i now, mm-hmm. but essentially it's a little USB or I'm sorry, Bluetooth microphone that you can use to turn this thing into a PA. So you enable it, you talk into it, it lets you do all kinds of crazy voice modification stuff, mm-hmm. which we've all kind of played with, especially if you have some sort of video camera or, or Skype thing enabled. It might be fun to mess with a voice change. Not my thing, but mm-hmm. it lets you do that. But it also has a mode where you can enable the mic and it does mic amplification. So you'll be able to to use this basically as a, a mini PA, like you would mentioned. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, and I touched about this in the review also, is you can pair two of these things together. Yeah, there was a, a picture on their website about this, and they had two of them sitting under your television. Yes, and that would make it essentially a very fancy, full-featured 
sound bar replacement. So you're going to get stereo, you get the wide sound stage, and now you could install two subwoofers too and get yourself a full-featured bass. Yeah, and if you don't have an actual amplifier or receiver hooked up to your television Mm -hmm. and you're just using the TV speakers or you have a television that is just a monitor without the speakers, if you already have the device, it's a nice way to plug that in. Yeah, and that's another great justification for this because it does have a larger-than-life sound stage. And we've talked a lot about sound stage, but sound stage is basically a nice way of saying that it tricks you into thinking that there's more speakers and more sound than there really is. And in a perfect environment, if you had an expensive system, the soundstage would make you believe you're right there and sitting in front of the audience mm-hmm. where the music is being made, which is, of course, you know, the ideal that we strive for if your budget allows. Right. Well, in the car audio days, that would be called imaging. Yes. Because that's how you could tell if sound was behind you or below your feet or above you. And it's all based on the timing when the speaker hits and where it's at. Exactly. So this is no doubt the strength of the iRoar is it simulates a much larger sound stage thanks to the design and the audio processing that's on board. So I could easily see you if you had a limited space environment, say a dorm or just a small office and you wanted to have more sound. This thing's tiny. Stick it under a monitor, and it's going to vanish when it's not in use, but it's going to give you way more sound than you possibly believe. Yeah. So in terms of battery life, um, you probably have only charged this thing once, right? I have. Now, I use it mostly plugged in because it doesn't move around a lot in my house. Right. But I believe they're quoting that it'll do eight to nine hours on there, and I'm sure that it depends on usage. Mm -hmm. But also because it's got a – gosh, I'd have to check the review, but I want to say it's a nine – thousand ma battery in it which seems like that's too much but yeah it's huge it's a pretty good size uh it has a high output smart uh usb that can be used to charge and power your devices so like right now i could take this cable right here mm-hmm. and plug it into the back and plug it into my galaxy s5 yeah it's a 2.1 amp charger coming yeah. off the back of that thing and it's going to have no problem charging that phone just like any you know brick that you'd buy at the store for travel mm-hmm so in terms of the way that you tested, mm-hmm. you tested on a variety of different things, including um, hooked up to your computer, hooked up to your phone, hooked up to the, the Denon, which was in your home theater. Right. Um, but the story you mentioned, and this was offline, was how your wife kind of <laughs> took it over for a while. Yeah. So I brought this thing home and initially didn't know how I was going to test it because oh, it's a Bluetooth speaker. So, you know, I paired it with my phone and kind of played with it, and that's sort of fun. But I was doing that down by where my wife was working because she was working from home that day. And my wife owns a uh, USB-enabled, what's an Well, it's an MP3 player. But it's a nice one. It's a a FIO, F-I-I-O. I think it's a third generation. So it has a built-in DAC and a built-in headphone amp. And it honestly is probably way nicer than an MP3 player needs to be for most folks. Mm-hmm. But my wife travels a lot. So I knew she had music on that. So I plugged her device directly into the iRoar using the auxiliary. And I switched hers into um, the output mode that is not headphones, which is another thing you get if you buy a little bit nicer MP3 player. So it became a preamp. Right. Not a strong one, but enough that between that and the DAC and the iRoar, the sound that was coming out of it is just far better than it needed to be. Hmm. And, of course, she could shuffle and whatnot, and the volume level was enough that it would fill the downstairs area, 
pretty well. Now we have an Amazon Echo that we use for casual music downstairs because, frankly, it's just a hassle to turn on the full home theater system sometimes. Right. And if you own an Echo, you know how easy that is. Mm -hmm. But this was an opportunity for her to listen to the music that she only has on her MP3 player or on her computer uh, through a home theater system. So we fired it up. Initially, she had to kind of figure out how to use it, and it's not hard. Mm -hmm. And so she listened to the music for a day or two, and then I got around to uh, getting the pictures taken with you, and we're ready to do the review. And I had to try to take it away from her. (laughs) (laughs) So my wife uh, was so happy to be listening to her music through it, and it sounded so good that she didn't want me to take it away from her. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm actually surprised we have it here in front of us so that we could talk about it on the podcast. Well, yeah, and I may not have told her that it was leaving the house. Yeah. <laughs> but what ended up happening anyway is I uh, got a Amazon Dot, and I thought it would be fun to test it with that. So if you're not familiar with the Amazon product line, the Echo is the original Amazon speaker voice-activated toy essentially yeah it hooks into the web so you can Mm -hmm. order music you can tell it to i want to have a package delivered or yeah so it it has uh, the ability to listen for voice commands real time and it has a decent speaker built into it now it's not wireless so you can buy an aftermarket battery for it but that's not its primary intention so it sits there and basically plays music and gives you basic internet facts you know what's the weather what time is it that sort of stuff, and it's getting more powerful every day, so it's kind of becoming more like a Siri or Cortana or whatever your voice assistant of choice is. Mm-hmm. So we bought one of these things just on a whim, and it was kind of fun, and our primary use for that is playing music. So you can say, Alexa, play you and know, Pandora or whatever. Pandora, and, and it will. But the speaker that comes with it is just like you expect from a jack-of-all-trades device. It's adequate. But you uh, can now purchase the Dot, which is a much smaller, it's like a hockey puck size, I mean, maybe a tiny bit bigger. And it doesn't have the built-in speaker, but it does everything else. So what do you need to do? Well, you need to pair it with its own speaker if you want to play music. Yeah, so you would hook it into like your home theater if you had it. So it has an auxiliary out, or it can do Bluetooth. Hmm. Bluetooth. So... Kind of sounds like it might be perfect. So I like to listen to music from the internet, but I need a good speaker. Ding! (laughs) iHeroar more than adequately fills that. And so iHeroar, paired with my Amazon Dot, has become the most incredible, friendly information source and DJ in my house. (laughs) Yeah. I want to listen to, you know, Birthday Massacre or whatever. Yes. Amazon Prime Music. Well, it's not the most populated, but nearly every type of music is represented. Mm-hmm. And they're not bashful. And then it will do Pandora, it'll do Siri. I think it does iHeartRadio. Uh, I know you can listen to radio stations. You know, I bet you could probably listen to the Hardware Sound podcast over the web from here. Absolutely. In fact, download it onto the SD card and listen to it on the go. Yeah. So in terms of the the cash that's required to get one of these devices. Do you think the price is adequate for the device? Well, it's one of those things where you're going to get sticker shocked, just to be honest. Mm -hmm. And you're going to buy a device that is probably overkill for what you're using it for. But the good news is anything that you can imagine that you might want to use a Bluetooth speaker for, this kills it. Kills it. 
it honestly kills every speaker that I ever heard in a portable set. And it gives good headphones a run for the money and was adequate enough that it could, if I had to, replace one of my good Paradigm speakers. And it wouldn't be the same sound range, no. but it's good enough. And it's portable. So overall, I would say that this is a win product. You know, mm-hmm. if we were giving out awards, it'd be kick-ass or whatever. But, you know, if um, if you need a Bluetooth speaker, you know, you have to get past the stigmata that Bluetooth speakers are these cheap little devices and, and really look toward a full-feature device, kind of like the Ironware. Darren, I got a package in the mail today, and unfortunately, I wasn't able to make it to Computex this year. And as we're recording this, you know, Computex is currently in session. Right. And I got a brand new motherboard from Gigabyte, which is one of the, the boards that they were showing at their their suite in Taipei 101. Very cool. So this is the X99 Designair EX. Designair, maybe? Designair. I'm sure it has... Designair seems right. It's got got a flair to it. It does. Uh, On the front, we have the F1 car, which, you know, I want to say is some Australian guy saying, hey, we got to have F1 because F1's awesome. (laughs) But this is a a nice rainbow. So it starts red and goes to purple, and it kind of starts solid and goes to wireframe. The logo, amazing. Well, it's Uh, definitely eye-catching. And it's a nice change from the usual girl with sword or robot or whatever. Oh, yeah. It seems to be, fortunately, a trend that's starting to pass by. Yeah. So, uh, of course, in this uh, little overview, you know, I haven't even taken it out of the box yet. <laughs> so we're going to just kind of go over some of the features that are on the box, maybe look at it, and um, and then maybe revisit it a little bit later in the main show. So I'm intrigued because I'm looking at this box and I haven't really heard of the product because it's so new. Yeah, well, X99 has been around for a while. It's getting refreshed because of the Broadwell E launch. So right. now we have Broadwell E with 10 cores and a price tag of $1,700. And then we also have two six-core editions, kind of like in the um, you know, in the Haswell E space. We had that right. six-core and then the four cores. So we can have six cores for, I think that's like $500 or something. But down at the bottom, we have uh, at the bottom of the box. It's talking about USB 3.1 with power delivery 2.0. Nice to see that getting represented and finally growing in the market. We have premium three-way PCI Express 16X multi-graphics support. Knowing that we don't have that many lanes coming out of the CPU, I'm wondering if that's going to be a Broadwell sort of uh, uh, feature feature yes yeah now i'm impressed because generally when you see two or a three-way sli you lose that 16x and end up with eight x's or worse well you have a 16 16 and an eight usually so that's a nice bonus for the folks that are really getting crazy and maybe have a little bit of extra classified cards laying around Oh, yeah, I have a few of those. <laughs> uh, let's see, next to that, we have ambient surround LED. This, again, is going to be the godlike effect. So we have pretty much everything at Computex this year was RGB LEDs. Um, yeah, Asus I... had their Strix motherboards with the LEDs on it. And their video cards, too. And their video cards. Um, let's see, EVGA was adding RGB lighting effects to their video cards, but they missed it on their motherboards, at least with the refresh. Now, mm-hmm. we still have a, a dark or a classified coming out that might be LEDs. Well, that would definitely be a value add for those premium boards. Yeah. Uh, we MSI 
added the, you know, they did the godlike carbon. That's the one that they were showing, as far as I can tell. They might have had some other boards as well with the RGB. Um, it just seems to be everywhere. And, you know, I, I'm going to say it's going to probably be a lot like LED fans where they were around for a while and then they disappeared. So it's kind of a fad. Well, it's definitely making a comeback. And I think part of it is because they've gotten so cheap. And the controllers have gotten cheaper, too. So you can do some really amazing things with the light shell. Oh, yeah. And I've always been a fan of the lights, but it can get a little bit gaudy. Oh, yeah, just a little bit. I mean, we have the, what, the Fantex Evolve. It had that um, multicolored LEDs in there as well. You pair that light strip with one of these motherboards, and, you know, the lights are going to be out of sync. It's going to be a little disco show in there. So <laughs> There you go. So the last item on the front of the box, at least... Uh, notwithstanding the, the DDR4 333 plus megahertz XMP ready, blah, blah, blah. We have fast memory now. Yay, we finally have, starting to move up the scale. Yeah, we have the MVME U2 M2 PCI Express support, which is important for super fast SSDs. Very nice. I'm a fan. Uh, dual armor with the ultra durable design. Now, dual armor is a bit intriguing because they were kind of experimenting with putting covers on just about everything oh, with their yeah. previous G1 board. So I, you know, I, I took a peek already. Let's this, take a look. This thing's covered. Oh, so I'm we're excited. Going to, um, should we take it out of the box? Okay. All right, we'll take it out of the box. Oh, sorry about that. That's all right. I'm already sneaking a peek at the back, and it looks pretty sexy here. I'm seeing faster RAM, high-end capacitors, just to name a few things that they're calling out on the back of the box. Actually, it looks like they have LED strip support. Oh, interesting. That would be awesome. A little bit of aftermarket, so I'm going to sneak a peek at the box while you're opening this up, see what else we've got feature-wise. So it says genuine all-digital power design. Yeah, onboard pinstripes for LED. You nailed it. That's why they're calling it surround LED, it looks like. All right, I'm, I might have to hide this away from you. Oh, look at that. I was right. distracted by the box. Wow, that is sexy. All right, so all of the coverings on here are white, and I know how you were a sucker for white oh, things. Oh, you know, that takes me back. Way back in the day, I had a Soltec Dragon motherboard, which is one of the original, maybe the first, that had white PCB. You mean the Soyo? Yeah, the Soyo Dragon. That's yeah. right. Man, that has been so long ago. So I built a case back in the day for one of my early case competitions around that board where I tried to make all of the components white, and then you could do the motherboard and everything with a UV glow. And you could choose whatever color you wanted and everything white would react. So cool. And yeah. it just hasn't been one like that. But I can see taking this and, oh my gosh, pairing yeah. it with one of those snow cases from Thermaltake. And, man, you could just take it to town with the black and white or the white and blue. So yeah. what you're talking about, and I'm just going off because I'm excited, mm -hmm. is it's got... All of that armor that you talked about is done in a beautiful, brilliant white with chrome accents, and all the markings on it are done in a really beautiful, almost navy blue. Yeah, now that is going to be the Gigabyte blue, which yeah. is something that's been absent from Gigabyte for a really long time. I'm kind of glad to see it come back. Although white and blue, for me, it's not really a good color combination, but... You know, that's me not liking blue oh, so much, yeah. I guess. Yeah, I'm already going, wow, Stormtrooper build maybe? Yeah. It could be beautiful, and it is just already out of the box because you've got, well, maybe you should walk through where all of the shielding is. All right, yeah, so we have a covering over the I.O. connections. And, and it's 
thick. It's thick. Oh yeah, it's like it's got some weight to it. It says ultra durable on the front. So this is going to be reminiscent of what EVGA has been doing with their IO shields. Right. That goes down into a covering over, and this is a shield, basically an EMI shield over the amp up audio. So it's covering the audio section completely. This is something that was on the godlike motherboard. Right. And that's a step up from the usual separation walls that we've been seeing. Mm -hmm. And then that also connects with a shield that goes in between PCI Express 1 and... One, two, th- four. Now, I'm, I'm seeing what looks like components underneath that. Yeah, there might be components under there, but I can't tell what they are, and I'm not going to take them off right now. Right, we'll save that for the review, but I might think there might be some other fun stuff under there. And the same with the, is that the Northbridge cover there? That's huge. Yeah, the MTP. Uh, this is a very large uh, Southbridge heat sink, and it's heat pipe connected to the VRM cooler at the very top, which is very nice because that is going to pull heat off of the VRM at the top and put it down into this large heat sink down here. And then when it carries on a little bit of the shielding over top of the SATA connections, which are, these are huge. I mean, we got one, two, three, four standard SATAs. And these are probably off different controllers. We have two SATA express, and then we have our connected NVMe U2 connectors. These connectors here are for the external NVMe drives that are, um, over, um, you know, basically the standard two and a half inch drive, but it connects over NVMe. Interesting. Now that may be why I'm not seeing onboard connectors because really those video card slots are packed pretty close together. There's only just, it looks like the one additional accessory port. Yeah. We have a one X slot here, which is in position three. Um, we have the, the metal shielding over all of these, which, you know, keep the slots from splitting and also coming off of the PCB. Right. It has a name and everybody calls it something different. Uh, we also have the shielding, and this is something I want to say MSI was doing as well, but we have the metal shielding over the memory sockets. Oh, yeah. So, obviously, you don't need to have any reinforcement there, but chances are this is for um, memory shielding. You know, and for a while, Gigabyte was doing the 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 pinless uh, memory sockets. Now, these ones have pins that come all the way through, and they're mm-hmm. connected at the back of the PCB, but... Um, yeah, so this is all set up. Well, I think that also lends more to that ultra-durable theme because you've got the stronger slots with the metal reinforcement. Yeah. So I flipped the motherboard over. We're looking at the back. And this is something that Gigabyte is really good with not wiring all of their PCI Express slots. So you can tell how many lanes are in each slot. Right. So over on the left, we have the separated section. This has probably got LED lights in it to separate the audio. Sure. And then we have a 16x slot at the top, uh, a blank. We have the 1x slot. We have a 16x slot that's fully wired. Yeah. We have, it looks like a 4x slot, which is um, physically a 16, but it's only wired for four, followed by a 16. That's going to be our three-way SLI support. And then at the very bottom, we have an eight. So I'm going to assume that Broadwell has more PCI Express lanes coming out of it than Haswell E did. That's certainly a pretty safe assumption. Yeah, which uh, that is going to be awesome for our um, multi-GPU index. It's going to really pump up the numbers. Now, it's interesting to me as we're looking at the bottom of it that they've resisted the ground effects lighting trend. So their ambient lighting is really accent lighting on the top surface only, it looks like. Yeah, I don't see any LEDs on the bottom. That's not saying they aren't here because they might be really small because there should be some. No, 
There's none on the separated audio section. So obviously... No, it looks like, in fact... All um, the LEDs must be under these shields. It's built into the shielding. It looks like in this kind of Lever porting, and that's not a great description of it. I don't know, but... But I'm looking at the packaging, too, and yeah, I'm seeing... We got glow in all of the shield pieces almost, which is going to be cool. That's going to be awesome, actually. So uh, the last little bit we can look at is the I.O. shield, or the I.O. connection ports area, whatever you want to call it. And it's very sparse. I mean, there is hardly anything on here. We have the gold-plated 8-channel audio. I'm assuming it's 8 channels. Right. We have dual Ethernet. Um, Is one of them a killer, is that say? Or are they both Intel? I'm looking and... Survey says... It would actually be highlighted, so I'm guessing these are both Intel. Wi-Fi is Intel dual band wireless AC8260, though. And you're right, 8-channel HD audio with Intel GBE LAN. Nice. Okay, so, yeah, we have Intel LAN. We have the Wi-Fi, so we have dual antennas coming off the back. Underneath it is a Type-C USB connector. It looks like we have display port so yep, i it does have a display port in it says display port in oh i'm gonna say that's probably for like external connectivity because display port is more than just video oh yeah which is something we don't always remember yeah uh looks like we have four usb 3.0s we have a usb that's red and a usb that's white the white one is usually the digital super clean for like external audio devices and stuff Yep, and I'm seeing a Type-C support, a mm-hmm. 3.1, Type-A's, 3.0's, 4, 2.0's. So we got USB coming out of everywhere. Yeah. So overall, this board, it looks amazing. Um, you know, Gigabyte is really good about building solid boards like this. The PCB is really thick. It's following the Ultra Durable series, so it's probably got two ounces of copper in there as well. I mean, you feel it. It's got some weight to it. Yeah, it does. And which some is, of that is the shielding, which I still can't get over. It really looks over-engineered, which is nice. Yeah. So this, I'm going to say, is probably going to be one of the the premier boards that's coming out during the X99 refresh. Now, this is also leading me to believe that it's a gaming board. I mean, it's, it doesn't say gaming on it. It doesn't right. say OC on it. Um, but it's following the... the um, the theme that the G1 boards had. Right. So, uh, you know, we got coverings everywhere. I wouldn't be surprised if they take this same board and then roll it into an OC edition with the power ports on the side, you know, with being able to do base clock adjustments oh, yeah. and stuff. Well, there's certainly the option to come out with other really cool covers for the armor mm-hmm. and extend the theme that way. Yeah. Now, of course, uh, for the OC stuff, you don't necessarily need these crazy MVME connections. So a lot of this niceties that it make this board unique are going to go away but i really like the layout i like the colors the rgb stuff and you know just because you're an overclocker and you cover most of it in vaseline doesn't mean you need to have lights <laughs> i totally agree but you know what a little bit of extra lighting goes a long way especially when you're trying to attract the attention of the judges or if you're like me and you want just an aesthetically pleasing design that isn't gaudy this is an opportunity to give you a subtle light show built in. Yeah. Well, I am actually looking forward to put this up on the test bench and see what it can do. So be sure to check out Hardware Asylum for the review forthcoming. And if you have any questions or comments, send us an email or follow us on Twitter and throw us a tweet.
For more information on the topics discussed in this podcast, please consult our show notes on hardwareasylum.com. Stay up to date on the latest at Hardware Asylum by subscribing to our RSS. Follow us on Google or like us on Facebook. This has been an Ninja Lane production, copyright 2016. Thanks for listening.